every business should have access to high-speed internet, no matter where they are. But getting fast speeds in rural Canada hasn't always been easy, which meant less reliability, scalability, and connectivity. ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions has the network to help you do business virtually anywhere in Canada. With extensive fiber, fixed wireless, and satellite networks, we're bringing the high speeds of the big city to small towns, to tiny towns, and even no towns. No matter your business size or location, get connected today with ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions. Are you ready to clear a new path? Welcome to Clearing a New Path podcast, a space for the underrepresented voices of women entrepreneurs in rural Canada. I'm your host, Shauna Ray. Each episode, guests will speak authentic truth because it's the truth that connects us. Each one inspires us all to take up space within our own communities and within the business world reminding us that each path can be messy and unique. Join us on the journey, clearing a new path. As the daughter of a residential school survivor and a 60 scoop survivor herself, Tina Sheridan didn't want to become another statistic. And she wanted to leave a different legacy for her own family. At the age of 33, she got her high school diploma and turned her side gig catering jobs into a mining camp services empire called Cree Quest Corporation. She has cited hunger and poverty as the driving forces behind her ambition. But it took a decade, and it was by no means easy. Tina started CreeQuest in 2010 as a small catering and event planning company booking social and corporate gatherings in the community, like weddings, anniversaries, and industry events. As the events got bigger, her confidence grew from compliments she got for her traditional Indigenous menu. Three years in, Tina knew she needed a partner to be able to bid on bigger contracts, In 2013, she entered into what she calls a groundbreaking agreement with Aramark, an international food and beverage company. CreeCorp and Aramark struck a partnership agreement that saw a percentage of profits distributed to the communities impacted by the mining projects they serve. These communities are also the homes of all of the company's directors. They are Taekwa Tagamu Nation, Wagoshig First Nation, and Moose Cree First Nation. In the past five years, that has amounted to $760,000 with a million-dollar goal for 2022. In 2018, CreeQuest added a new extension to the business and called it CQ Industrial Laundry Services. And soon, Tina's daughter, Emily, will be taking over ownership of that company. Tina hasn't spoken about her struggles much in the past because she was ashamed and feared it would affect her credibility. 
but she shared some of them with me and with you in this episode. A trigger warning, this episode makes indirect reference to domestic violence, and there is a brief reference to the discovery of thousands of children's remains at some of Canada's residential schools. This may trigger some of you and is in the second half of the episode if you'd like to skip that part. Okay, well, let's start with where do you hail from? Where are you from in rural or remote Canada? Northern Ontario, deep northern Ontario woods, um, James Bay Coast. I was born in Moose Factory, Ontario, uh, and lived and worked uh, in around the area, uh, specifically Cochrane, Ontario, um, at Tequa Tegmu Nation. And um, yeah, it, it's where I spent most of my uh, adult years. I, I left periodically for school and, and um, uh, pursuing educational goals, but uh, always came back home as it normally is in our in our areas. <laughs> you always make it back home. What is it that appeals to you about home? Oh, I think that the people, the people, first of all, um, in, in my early days, I did spend um, a considerable considerable amount of time in and out of foster care system in, in Southern Ontario, just due to the fi- family dynamics at the time. But thanks to our almighty creator, I was able to um, settle in Takwatekmu Nation at the age of 12, right in, directly in the community. And it was really, I say the first place that really felt like home after so many years, uh, feeling a little displaced. And um, the people were just so warm and welcoming and um, yeah, it, it's where my heart is and um, it's where I consider home. That's really inspirational, actually. And so let's talk about your entrepreneurial journey. How did you strike out on your own? It, it really was. Uh, I, I always say I was a bit of a late bloomer. It wasn't until I was in my early, early 30s that I really took the leap because at the time I, I didn't have a whole lot of confidence and, um, you know, I was a single mom. I, I still had two children at home that were quite young. And and the, the struggles that we, we faced were very similar to how I grew up. And I just thought I, I didn't want to be another statistic. I didn't want to be another story. Um, there was a lot of suffering of, for the women in my family. My mother's a residential school survivor as well. And there was some intergenerational, I guess, trauma that all these things that kind of trickled down that I didn't understand until I, I was a grown up, I guess you could say, but I, I just knew that I wanted a different story and I wanted a different life for my children and I. And um, I just really started taking every open opportunity that I could specifically in the community. If there was a workshop that was on uh, facilitating um, public speaking or even first aid CPR, it didn't matter. I, I took the course and a uh, little, little over time, I started to get a bit more confidence and um, decided that business seemed to be something that I was always quite interested in. I've always been quite ambitious. And I thought I just need to find an open market on, on where I could um, utilize my skills. And I, I considered myself a pretty good cook. And uh, a lot of ladies in the community had uh, kind of soul food, traditional recipes and started doing some little catering gigs in the community for different meetings and, and things like that and, uh, and events. And as time um, grew, the events, I say, got a little bigger and the demand got, got a little more. And I thought maybe I'm onto something here. It really was just a side gig to make a little extra money. I was still working full time at the time uh, as a youth uh, worker. But again, that was about like nine fifty an hour minimum wage at, at that time. So it wasn't enough uh, to quite um, 
cover it. <laughs> so I took on these little side catering jobs. And, and as, as time grew, as, as time went on, rather, I realized if I wanted to get bigger contracts or bigger uh, gigs, I needed to have a, a company or a partnership that would help me in terms of develop, developing my uh, knowledge in the, in the food industry, um, somebody that had money to, to help me out to buy equipment and, and just learn the, the industry. And um, in 2013, that's when Aramark came in. And, and I, it's not as um, quick or as easy as it sounded. There was a couple of years of prospecting for a potential partner and, and, and talking to a lot of different companies. And, and they just seem to, uh, we're still partners today. It's uh, eight years later, nine years later, actually. Um, but they seem to align all the values that I was looking at in terms of an indigenous type of partnership. So we we quickly uh, linked up and, and we've been just powering through and busy ever since. So, What has been your inspiration? Oh, my inspiration, if I, if I go back to the reason why I started and was that that was really simply to feed my children. There was um, points of time where it was like, okay, do I... Um, pay the hydro bill or do or do I buy food, you know, and boiling water on the stove so I could give them a warm bath, things like that. So it was like, I just want to live comfortably so I could afford to have heat and hydro and pay my rent and, and things like that. So my inspiration immediately from the get-go was um, providing a better life for my children. And as, as time went on, there's still things that continue to inspire me today. And uh, I'm a grandmother now of two Legacy to me is really important. I, I, I don't want them to ever feel or experience the things I did as a child or as a young adult. So I'm trying to pave a different path for them. Um, but of course, always sharing um, what it takes to, to succeed and, 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 um, and, and build your own path. But uh, as far as inspiration, like I said, it's every day. And, and, and the work that we do, uh, we're really invested in, in our own communities at Creek West Corp. And when we're able to make a, a large contribution to help build uh, a baseball field or a basketball court in a community that otherwise would have to rely on pots of funding where we come in and say, we could help you do this. And you see children playing on the court or, you know, baseball tournaments happening with, with, with the youth in their community. That is even more inspiring. Cause it's like, okay, we were able to do that. What else can we do next? Let's keep going. Let's keep growing. So it's exciting. Amazing. And and why do you think it's important to give back? I think in business, you have to have other goals besides just making money. Because I started 11 years ago, I didn't make money for the first four to five years, really, I went a lot with a long time without a paycheck. And I, I've told this story to, to others where um, I, I did acquire a pretty large contract, but I was kind of at the bottom of the pool to get paid. So there was six months that I went without a paycheck after securing a large contract. And even in between that time, you know, I'm going to meetings. I have maybe 12 bucks in my pocket. None of my colleagues knew this, um, but I had to present myself in a way that I, I knew I was on the right path. I just had to be a bit more patient. You know, I, I sold my car at the time so I could continue to just survive. Like there's a lot of these stories that I'm, I'm, I'm more comfortable sharing now. I probably wouldn't have said anything years ago because there was a level of almost shame, I guess. But now I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud that I got through all that to, to be here today and even having the opportunity to talk to you, Sean, and you, you know, reaching out to, to say, let, let's chat about the experiences. Um, that's, that's pretty incredible. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the shame. Let's talk about the 
fear of being vulnerable because I think being vulnerable connects us actually. And when we keep it to ourselves and, and, and carry around all that shame, it, it actually disconnects us from other people who can actually be inspired by us, but also mentor us because maybe they went through the same thing. So do you think it's important to actually talk about your story now? Absolutely. I, I, I think the, the most recent article in Northern Ontario Business, I, I decided to share a little bit more because it really is the raw truth. That, that's not to say that I still have people that in my life that I see with similar struggles that I, I've had. And, and I think part of the success to, to date has been that I'm able to just be honest and, and, and share those stories. And you know, you know, the effect of that is, is seeing more women come to building their, their own confidence. And what we're really proud of, I think, at CreekQuest Corp is out of all our operations, we employ over 50% of women. And I've been asked, like, how did we make that happen? And I think it's because I am a woman. <laughs> and um, I've always remained as approachable as I could and understanding we we understand what it's live like what it's like to live on a reservation. We understand what it's um, like to have those challenges, and particularly myself, I, I bring I bring along with me experiences that I, I haven't um, forgotten. For instance, um, one thing I never really talked about that I'm really starting to express more now that I that I wanted to share was um, being in, in you know domestic violent uh, relationships. It wasn't uncommon for me as a young girl growing up to see the women in my family with like a black eye or uh, bruises and things like that. And, and for me at the time, it was it was kind of normal. So as a young adult in that similar situation, it, it, it's, it seemed like this is my life. This was I've seen it my as a child. This is what my life is, is supposed to be. I think there are still a lot of women in this position and and and. There's a level of fear, especially in our area. Uh, the, there could be a lack of resources or outreach on, on who you could trust or speak to or get out of the situation, let alone try to work a full-time job, take care of children, let alone try to start a business and all, all these other things that we, I believe we all aspire to do. The, the, the more I put myself out there when, when I talk about the good and, and the bad, <laughs> maybe it will strike one, even if it's one person and We've recently launched uh, this entrepreneur mentorship program, and we had an interest uh, interested participants about twelve, but we've had about four participate regularly. And you know, another company might say, "Well, that that's that's not enough numbers," or I, I still see it as success. Maybe one of the one of the, our participants will walk away with a new business idea and or more confidence and. Um, to, to me, one in four is a huge success. So that's that's always the driving force every day is if I can impact one person or continue to be inspired, then I think who knows where we'll go. But we'll, I know it's we're continuing to rise and and uh, and grow. So it's an important time, I think, in Canadian history to hold space for Indigenous voices. So in the spirit of allyship. How do we hold space for one another and lift each other up? I think, you know, with the, with the recent um, discovery of so many of our precious uh, babies, 
through the residential school system. And of course, being a daughter of a survivor, I think just first and foremost, putting ourselves as women first, let's let go of self-identifying whether we're Indigenous or, or we're not. I've always considered myself a nurturer and I've met very few others that are not. We're, I think we're nurturers at heart. And, and if you're a mother, just really think about how that may have impacted you years ago and how it would have impacted your children moving forward and in, in understanding that um, there, there are unique challenges to, to living and, and trying to grow as an Indigenous woman. There's many times I had thought about that and I thought, well, I think it's just women in general <laughs> in terms of setting a place at a table with a much male dominated um, industry like I'm in. And the, there were times I would walk into a boardroom and I'd be the only woman in there. And, you know, the, these gentlemen may have certificates and university degrees are all over their walls. That was quite intimidating as well. So it's like a lack of education, being a woman. Um, and I, I just think we're all, we can all identify in, in that way, as opposed to defining it by color or background. And much like Indigenous people do, we at CreekWest Corp don't see borders or division, which is why we talked about national growth across Canada. And I think it's just in the spirit of us as Indigenous people to share in the resources and share in the, the if I could say, land and opportunities and, um, and jobs. One of the things I want to credit my parents with is I, I didn't grow up understanding there was a difference even in color or culture. You know, I just seen people as people. And I think having that mindset in every day would be um, a good start to building that, th those allies. <laughs> what is the future for you uh, as far as entrepreneurship, as far as business? What do you have on the horizon? In the, in the Northern Ontario business article, um, there is a link to another uh, article that was recently done on my daughter, Emily. So when I talked about legacy and how important that was uh, for me, one of the subcontracts from Creek West Corp was the uh, development of an industrial laundry facility in Cochrane. So that facility processes all the linen from the local mine. And I was kind of busy with the corporation um, stuff. So I had Emily train and, uh, and work with me for a couple of years. And now she is the operations manager, but she'll be actually taking ownership of the business in the next year or so. And, and the reason for the entrepreneur mentorship program is to kind of do the same thing with others. So if we're able to provide these subcontract opportunities to aspiring uh, entrepreneurs and we're able to mentor and build from, from that without competing against each other, just enhancing our overall service, then that's the idea for, for growth. But I've been able, I've had the opportunity to travel to other communities um, in our northern regions and talk about our business model. And uh, the competition can be fairly fierce. We do have a lot of overlapping territories, but I think we've made our mark and people are taking attention at, at the work that we do. We're putting our communities first. We're putting people first. And uh, at the end of the day, we have um, a, a growing team of uh experts that are that are working under CreekWest Corp now and recruitment retention and program deliverers. And, and uh, so, yeah, the, there's the idea is to continue to grow and, and take on larger 
um, more high profile contracts, if you will, and, and grow nationally. We have invested so far um, about $760,000 into, into our three uh, communities. We want to start looking at our local municipal communities as well. Uh, we do have a lot of urban Indigenous people that live and work in, in the, the, the towns that surround us in the cities. So building that that partnership with our local municipalities is, is an idea. Our goal is to reach $1 million in community investments in the next year or two. I think we're, we're close. We're really close. And we want to celebrate that. We work every day. And um, Greg, Virginia, and I, who are all uh, directors and shareholders now of Creek West Corp, work really well together. We have the same kind of vision. and, and um, But we all come from different experiences, different um, uh, work knowledge. So it uh, collectively just works really well as a group. And uh, yeah, we, we, we're just continuing to grow. We're just really excited to see how, how far we could go. <laughs> so you wanted to change things for your family, which you have done. Mm -hmm. uh, you didn't want them to go through what you had gone through yourself. You mm -hmm. are giving back to the community. You mm -hmm. are changing the narrative and changing the cycle in your family. How does that feel? Yeah. Almost, almost surreal. You know, it, it's, it's sometimes if I'm reading something on, the, on uh, an article or we were given uh, a business award, it, it's almost like I need to take a step back and that I'm reading about somebody else, you know, and I had always been quite happy to remain in the background, kind of behind the scenes. But again, as time goes on, I find myself more speaking publicly about the, the grind or the rise of of the business. I understand it's a great story, uh, but at the end of the day, it's, I still need to reflect on there, there are things I'm talking about that maybe I'm triggering somebody else. I'm trying to be very mindful of feelings, but I'm, I'm hoping that the words are taken to make it, you know, make a change. My son just bought a house. My daughter has her own house. We're building our own house. These are things you, I never thought would ever be uh, possible. And, um, when you spend time, um, you know, in soup line kitchens with my mother and uh, I'm, I'm thankful every day. I'm great. I'm grateful. And um, I do pray a lot. <laughs> I think the idea of putting people in community first before my own needs has really helped um, in terms of getting back the, the good karma. And yeah, it feels it feels great. What's your advice for a woman living remote, rural, thinking she has an idea, but is a little bit afraid? What's your, your wisdom? If I look back, I think I didn't really uh, reach out to anybody that I thought could help me. I kind of took the hard way. <laughs> and, and at the time too, there, there wasn't really access to internet or video chats or anything like that. I think we're just so connected with technology now that it's it's a little easier for us who have those lack of um, opportunities in, in uh, rural communities. But fear is always going to be there. And fear is really just an emotion. If I were to give advice to somebody who had an idea, it's you got to throw yourself really 100% into it. Um, for the for the longest time, I had to kind of I had to keep a job so I could maintain some living standards. At the heart of it, when things got tough, um, I didn't give up. I believed in my idea enough that I, I knew that given more time, that I I could um, start to see some progress. 
when you hear like, don't give up or it's perseverance or it's, it's this and that. And it is, but really time I think is the most important because nothing happens overnight. It's been 11 years and uh, I still feel like I'm learning every day. Like life is, is lifelong learning. You can never claim to know it all, whatever industry you're in. If there was a term I didn't understand, I would ask. I, I practiced speaking in, in front of people, like in the mirror at home. And, and, uh, because when I, in the early days when I would, my, my voice would shake and, and I'd be very, um, scared. But business really is about sales. And, and, uh, if you can't sell yourself, working internally, externally on yourself is, is a good step as well. And building that confidence, just saying, I, I, I could do this and, and reach out to other women or folks, um, or gentlemen in your life. You have seen that have successes and, and talk to them. I've been asked a, a few times. I'm always happy to share some ideas or give my opinion on a, whether the idea might work or maybe link somebody up with somebody in my network that could help them develop the ideas. There's always a way. <laughs> That's great advice. Tina, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. All the best to you. And I can't wait to hear what your kids are going to be doing and your company <laughs> is going to be doing. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, Shauna. If you like this episode, please subscribe, rate it, and leave a review. It really helps others find us. Clearing a New Path podcast artwork is supported by the graphic design of Katie Wilhelm and the music branding is by Imagine Dev Studios. The podcast is produced by Radar Media in Temp Centre, Ontario. It is the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee and neutral peoples who once used this land as their traditional beaver hunting grounds. The First Nations communities closest to this studio are Chippewa of the Thames First Nation, Oneida Nation of the Thames, Muncie, Delaware First Nation, and the Chippewas of Kettle and Stony Point. We will speak to many people across Turtle Island, and as a settler here, I'm committed to deepening understanding of Indigenous communities and reframing responsibilities to land and community. I am grateful to Mother Earth for the opportunity for love and connection, and to the spirits of the elders and the medicine people who still walk the earth. Until next time, 